Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sully and Stone here. Crowley Sullivan with my man, Jordan Stone. Stone, you ready? Very ready. Looking forward to week two tomorrow. Cannot wait. Ball games tomorrow. Episode two for week two. Uh, topic number one, undoubtedly the top story of the weekend the University of Notre Dame not allowing Purdue University to wheel in the world's largest drum, which has been a staple of the Purdue University All-American Band for 100 years. They've created another tunnel, and despite the fact that the Purdue Band has played at at minimum 60 games at Notre Dame Stadium utilizing the other tunnel. They're saying that they're not allowing the drum onto the field because it doesn't fit through this new tunnel that they've made. Does this make any sense to you at all, Stone? Not only does it make sense, but I've extracted does make sense. That does not. It does not make any sense to me. It's oh. ludicrous that they can't figure out a way to get a drum in an eighty thousand seat stadium. They can, how about just airlifting the thing and just dropping it right from the sky? I mean, how about, the how whole about thing's this, insane. How about this? Purdue has played Notre Dame traditionally, historically, prior to Notre Dame doing whatever the hell they're doing with the ACC and the Big East and whatever other conferences they have pseudo relationships with. Purdue is a traditional rival. I don't care what any Notre Dame person says. They just are. And the Purdue marching band has successfully, for a century, entered the field through the tunnel that exists there. It's remarkable. Here, a couple of notes on this drum itself that I think are very uh, important to, uh, to make note of. Number one, this is the world's largest drum, and it's only been 100 years. So my first thought was, you know, me and you are both from Chicago. The Sears Tower, which I still refer to it as the Sears yeah, Tower. Yeah, it's not the Willis was, Tower. Does, yeah, anybody, it, does anybody call it the Willis I Tower? I think just tourists. I think just tourists call it the Willis Tower. But the Sears okay. Tower was the tallest building. And then subsequently, of course, there's one in Indonesia. There's one here. You know, people build bigger buildings than the Sears Tower. Meanwhile, we're to believe this drum has gone 100 years without being surpassed. Right. Which is, and by, by the way, remarkable. have you taken a good look at that drum? Yes. It, it's a big drum. But is that like, is it? Yeah, is it that the world's largest drum? Well, this is the funny part. The the University of Texas has come out and said their drum is is bigger potentially, and the University of Missouri has come out and said that their drum is potentially bigger. So there's a there's a there's a little question mark on who has the biggest drum. But did you ever have did you ever have a pitchback in your backyard growing up, Stone? Like you throw the ball and you catch it with your mitt. Absolutely, I've had pitchbacks that are bigger than the world's largest drum. Yeah, the world's largest drum. A couple notes about it. Think about this. Johnny Wooden was winning national championships in 1930 at Purdue while that drum was there. 
It was all American Johnny Wooden was there. It was, it was 12 years old at the time, the world's largest drum. Incredible. Number two. Well, wait, hang on a second, though. I, I have to get back to this. Notre Dame not allowing the drum onto the field because of this new tunnel that they've made for visiting teams and their operations to enter onto the field. So Notre Dame is not going to make the exception that never even was an exception. It was just the rule that the drum can, well, yeah, of course we got the Purdue game coming up. They're bringing their world's largest drum. It can just go through the, the, the tunnel <laughs> yeah. that's been a part of Notre Dame stadium since it was constructed. Right. When like it was smaller, when the stadium was smaller. Yeah. How yeah. about this? Hey, Stan, uh, we're really excited for you and Judy to come over for Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be awesome. I know you guys haven't been here in a while for Thanksgiving dinner. We, we, we've made some changes to our dining room. We now have new chairs that are configured in a way <laughs> that your children won't fit in them. I know that seems weird, but they just, they're not going to fit in them. So while it's been tradition that our families have Thanksgiving dinner at that dinner table, your children just can't come. I'm sorry to say, because the chairs that are a part of this new dining room configuration that we have in our home, they, I, they just, they just don't work. So you feel free to bring your children, but they're going to have to like eat outside or like, I don't know, like maybe on the roof. Right. We'll, so we'll try to accommodate them, but, yeah, it's the whole idea is crazy. And then let me ask you this though: from there's no motivation, though, is there? I mean, it's not like I'll tell you what the coach, motivation. Do you, th is. do you think he can actually bring that up as a as a motivation? Hey, they didn't let us bring our drum. Let's get fired up. I mean, no, Purdue doesn't have any motivation, but Notre Dame has motivation. And and here's 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 Notre Dame's motivation: a continuing to uh, be a pioneer and a leader when it comes to the combination of sanctimony and hypocrisy, there, there are a few institutions in known to man that have mastered the art of combining sanctimony with hypocrisy the way Notre Dame has. You can't bring your drum through the tunnel that you've brought your drum through for 100 years. By the way, are you even aware of the fact that Brian Kelly, we touched on this last, last time, is one win away from tying Newt Rockney? Doesn't feel that way, you know. Just no, and doesn't get he doesn't get that kind of uh, credit. It, well, he doesn't deserve it for one thing. He mangled John McKay's famous uh, humorous line. John McKay, of course, um, the, the the Southern California coach. What do you think about your team's execution? I'm in favor of it. When John McKay delivered that, that was that was funny. It was he was he was a comedic genius. Brian Kelly tried like a joke after the Florida State game. It fell so flat. It was so bad. Does Brian Kelly think to himself, "I probably shouldn't make, be making jokes about execution and death"? Well, I'll tell you what he's thinking. Considering the fact that I already have one death within my program, within I, I, my tenure. My thought process on his thinking after the Florida State game, he was pretty damn giddy to get out of there with a win, period. That's and he was, believe me, he almost embarrassed himself with a 20-plus point lead with about six minutes to go and almost fucked that whole game up. So believe me, he, he, he would have said anything. He was ecstatic to get out of there with a win.
which, by the way, with Florida State losing the following week to Jacksonville State, that win doesn't look very good for the Irish. Uh, and, of course, the Toledo miracle, too. So these two guys, Notre Dame's pulled out two miracles in two weeks, which doesn't bode well for this season for the Irish. I know our friend Moon, I believe, we just got a text message from Moon that he believes that Purdue's going to quote-unquote get on their ass tomorrow and the Boilers are going to take it tomorrow. I, I don't I, think that, by the way. I think Notre Dame will win tomorrow. I think Notre Dame will win, but I, I don't think Moon is crazy at all for having that, that, that perspective. I, I think Purdue's a pretty good team. More importantly, Amanda Boyk, before we move on to topic number two, how if you had to like sort of describe in your head how big the world's largest drum is, what would you compare it to? Oh, my gosh. I feel like no one, unless you're from the Midwest, would understand this. Or from Michigan, at least. There's or a, Indiana. I mean, there's um, on the way to the airport, which is in the middle of absolute nowhere in Michigan. I don't know. I mean, you've been. You're yes. On the way, there is this massive tire. I know the, what you're talking you about. You know what I'm talking about? That's I know exactly what you're talking about. In my head, I'm like, that. that's pretty large, but yeah. not as big as that. But no one, unless you are from Michigan and have ever been to the airport in the middle of nowhere there, would know what we're talking about. But that is what I've been picturing this whole time. That's a great, great call. <laughs> what I can tell you is the world's largest drum is nowhere near as big as that tire. Is that the bell tire? Is that the, the is that um, I think it's a continental tire? Oh, yeah, continental. I, I think okay. it's continental. Which, I, I, by the way, they make a hell of a tire. Of and by the way, are like what is Bell Tire? And by the way, for the free promotion today, we do expect them to come on board as our first <laughs> national uh, endorser. Yeah, they continental make a tire. tire. We'll we'll look forward to their uh, entry into the Sully and Stone podcast. Yeah, Thank you, Continental Tire, in advance. Locations for life. Auburn at Penn State, Stone. Is James Franklin thinking about anything other than how much money he's going to make as the USC coach? He absolutely is, Carl. You, I know we 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 brought up the game last time. James James Franklin is the real deal. He's a tremendous leader. I, this by is the way, a, did I call him James Taylor a minute ago, or did I? I refer. Did I call him James Taylor? There's never anything wrong with saying James Taylor. Regardless. I think I referred to him as James, James Taylor. Taylor. I, love, I love James Taylor. We, Me too. Who doesn't? But Me too. We, we, this is James Franklin. We're this is James Franklin. We are referring to the head coach yeah. uh, of uh, Penn State University. And uh, no, I don't see the USC rumors. If you recall, I, I am a believer that James Franklin will be the next coach in Troy uh, next year. But uh, for two things: one, the whiteout, the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal tomorrow night you, under you the think lights. That you think that the, all those fans wearing white shirts. Is going to. It's what I think. Make. I think it's a blowout tomorrow night. I think Penn State is a great team. I think I think you're undervaluating them. I think Sean Clifford is going to have a huge night tomorrow night. I'm under. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Back up. Did you say I'm undervaluating them? Is that is that what you said? I'm not sure exactly the word. I think I that's use. what Sometimes you said. I just talk and I don't really under, hear what I think what I you say. meant to say was that I'm <laughs> undervaluing them. Well, you know, you know, a, a two lane degree you know only goes so far. It's a new Continue. word. I like it, and we're using it forever. Tagline. That's a good thank call. you, yeah, Amanda. Please mark that down for me in my <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> Keep but, going. Uh, no, I, I think. I, as I said, and, and I did mispronounce this, and I'm going to mispronounce it again. Brian, you, you pronounced that coach's last name of uh, Harrison. For me. Yeah, it's not yeah. Harrison. It's Harrison. Yeah, I call him Harrison. Harris, whatever you want to call him, he's, he has no business getting this job. He's going to get his ass kicked in the SEC and worse on national TV tomorrow night. It's going to be a bloodbath. I like Penn State by 17 minimum yeah, tomorrow. I, I, I agree with you, and I, that introduces the next topic, and that is this. LSU went out to Los Angeles and got manhandled 
by UCLA. After, by the way, Coach O made fun of a fan for wearing a sissy blue shirt. Um, if Auburn goes into Happy Valley and gets thumped by Penn State, are, are we allowed to suggest without getting struck by lightning that the SEC might not be able to compete in the NFL from top to bottom? Is that, am I allowed to suggest that? You're allowed to suggest it, but right now between Alabama and Georgia, uh, you know, those, those are, are the two, two those, those, are, are, those are two teams. They're the best two teams in the country. How many, so, but those are two teams in the SEC, which by my count at this point has 26 teams, right? <laughs> Your count's a little high, but as we speak, there's 14 teams in the SEC. And, uh, you know, nobody said LSU or Auburn were going to be, uh, you know, I think right now in the West, you know, certainly Alabama's the Alabama A&M with their second quarterback, we're going to have to see, but it doesn't look great right now after okay, A&M's let's performance in Colorado. Let, tell me what Texas A&M has done over the last 10 years to warrant any kind of reference to them being some sort of an elite program. What I think that's done? fair. I mean, they're an elite program because they have tremendous facilities. Uh, wait, wait, hear uh, me uh, out for uh, a sec. Hear me out for a sec. They have great facilities. They, they, they have a, a, a national championship I think, coach. I think Akron has a great weight room. They don't. Should we, should we anoint them as an elite program? A&M last year had a very, very good year, and a year that I know you don't even count because of COVID. But A&M had a great year. They won a New, Year, New Year's Six Bowl. Poo-poo that all you want. Bottom line is the A&M program has gotten significantly better. Jimbo Fisher's brought in great players. What does that not, mean, though? They've gotten significantly better. They have. Better. Well, they're winning what, a lot more what, games. What that's what that it means. Mean? It, it translates to win-losses. They're winning a hell of a lot more games than they were before. Listen, there was a reason they blew out their coach. They brought in you know, Kevin Sumlin. The, the year that he was 10 and two with, with, with Manziel and, and Evans, you know, he didn't come close to reaching that, that plateau again. And now from what we've seen from Jimbo Fisher, he's raised the bar every year as far as, as, as competitiveness. Now, A&M, by, by the way, make no mistake about this, Crowley. The reason that Oklahoma and Texas are coming into the SEC right now is because A&M's out recruiting the hell out of them in the state and they're getting all the players in the state. And now because they know playing in the SEC is the best league in the country and that's where they want to play. Period. Texas, Texas and Oklahoma, as long as you bring it up, going to the SEC is, is like absurd in, in my view. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You think it's absurd on their end or on the SEC? On end? all ends, whatever end you want to, every single end imaginable. There's, it, it makes no sense. It, it's stupid. Well, it makes a lot of sense for Oklahoma and Texas because their paychecks now just got much bigger. They're, they're, well, the SEC money is huge. Like they weren't like the making ES, money. Like they were making money, making money, but money as before, you, as you, I don't know. You were mentioning ESPN earlier. I mean, ESPN's the reason that they left. Period. Because they paid because they paid billions of dollars to acquire the SEC number one game, which will take place in twenty twenty three or four or whatever. Texas the hell it is. and Oklahoma are not walking around with with tin cups. That's true. Like looking for money. They don't need any more money. So but, why did they leave? I'll ask you, why did they leave? Uh, they're arrogant. They're as institutions. They, they, they want to eschew the Big 12 because they think it's beneath them. They want to go to the conference that they think is the best because it's got 38 teams in it and Texas A&M in it. So when I look at Texas A&M, it's a bit of a microcosm to an extent of the SEC. Like Alabama, obviously – is is 
you know, the creme de la creme and has been for a long time and really probably is in the history of college football. Georgia has a, a strong program. They're great. Outside of that, how and why is the SEC? Well, LSU just won a championship, undefeated, and probably the, one of the all-time great offenses in the history of college football. And that, that was only a couple years ago, Carl. It was, that, that didn't happen long ago. Okay, but getting back to my point for right now, LSU gets dumped at, at UCLA. If Auburn gets a face plant. Which we both think they will. Yeah. Uh, getting back to my main point. Are we allowed to suggest that the SEC might not be ready to compete in the NFL as its own division? Your humor aside, the SEC is the premier conference in the United States, will continue to be the premier conference in the United States until I see otherwise. And, uh, yeah, when you have 14 teams, you're going to have a Vanderbilt. You're going to have, you know, South Carolina that looks pretty mediocre. Maybe well, maybe one do, of your other favorite programs, Ole Miss. Do, will, will, then will, what will, you do is you just up. get Texas and Oklahoma to join. Why don't they? Why don't they invite like the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks to join the conference? I'll tell you this: for where I'm sitting, I can't wait till Texas plays Alabama and Oklahoma plays Georgia. And uh, hey, more the merrier for me. I had no listen. I'm not crying any spilled milk for the Big 12. I'm, you know, the Big 12, what did they do? They immediately raided the American Conference and got four, and got four teams. Yeah, so. but that was all set in motion by the arrogance of Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC. But let's move on. Speaking of the SEC, we've got Alabama and Florida. Alabama's going to destroy Florida. But more yeah, importantly, more importantly, can you please tell me why Alabama has an elephant as its mascot? <laughs> I, you know, that's Big Al. You're referencing Big Al. Yeah, um, Tom, but do you know why they I got don't an do. elephant? I, I do. don't know the history. I do know why. Really good luck. Oh, say that again, Amanda. Elephants are for good luck. That's great. Elephants have a great memory, too, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So back in, like, 1934, Stone, I looked this up. I've, I've, I've been on this for many, many years. They've got an elephant. Their na- it's the Alabama Crimson Tide. Their mascot is an elephant. Nobody ever really stops to say, why do they have it? Why, is, why do those guys have an elephant? There was a, a, a sports writer, I, th- I think his name was Elliot Splurk, who wrote back in like 1934 that their offensive line was strong and tough and big like elephants. That's where this stems from. Do you think? Does that seem a little ridiculous to you? Not any more ridiculous than the world's largest drum with that strange caricature of some guy with a boiler with a, with a hammer in his hand or whatever the hell he's got going on. So, yeah, no, I mean, Alabama, by the way, in the early 30s, Alabama was winning national championships with uh, Don Hudson, one of the all-time greats, and, uh, and Bear Bryant on the other side. I've been doing a lot of reading because, as you said, Alabama's kind of Caught my attention over the last 10 years since Saban's been there. and uh, Yeah, I guess, I guess they've caught my attention. That's a good Got my attention. It. Yeah, they've caught my attention. But, but getting back to the elephant situation, if I'm Auburn, you know what I'm doing for every Iron Bowl? <laughs> no. How you are you taking care? I have something to do with the elephant, apparently. I'm bringing a mascot, a different, random, irrelevant animal mascot 
a frog one year? How about a porpoise the next year? A giraffe the next year? How about this, Stone? So State's defense, Michigan State's defense, was described in 1939 by Ferdinand Zlug as just having the tenacity of rattlesnakes. Maybe Sparty should always have like a, a six or seven rattlesnakes draped around his neck. Hey, what do you think about that? If it brings more Ws, that's great. And by the way, the ironic part is Auburn already has two nicknames, which is great. They have the Tigers and War Eagle. I mean, they, these guys have two nicknames already, so they can go find some more animals. That shouldn't be a problem. Does anybody win, actually, when it comes to Cincinnati at Indiana? Is there a, win, a real winner in this game? Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati certainly, you know, takes a scalp of a power five team if they win. I like the Hoosiers, but I, they, they get a, a scalp of a power five team, which would be, you know, obviously Cincinnati's goal this year and, and, and their belief where they're ranked and everything is that they can run the table and then be the, uh, you know, the, 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 the non-power five team in the playoff. I mean, you, and I both know, you, you and I both know Cincinnati is not going to the college football playoff no matter what they do between now and the end of the season. So my point is this. They could blow out Indiana, which they may do, and it's going to mean nothing. Indiana, on the, on the other hand, Indiana, it, nobody – in the state of Indiana is ever going to care about Indiana football. <laughs> this is true. And yeah, you're right on. So, so this game, while, you know, pitting two teams with, you know, high aspirations, it, this game literally doesn't matter. And I don't know if I've ever said that about a college football game. There, there are no ramifications. Everyone's going to talk about how Cincinnati is going to, to your point, try to pile up some meaningful wins and, and crack, you know, the ceiling and get into the college football playoff. It's not happening. It just isn't happening. And Indiana is not that good of a team anyway. And I will repeat a Tom Allen could go, you know, the next six straight seasons with eight wins. Nobody in the state of Indiana cares. They're still talking about Bobby Knight. Agreed. That I can't. That is a basketball state, basketball school, and uh, I look forward to talking about the Mike Woodson-led Hoosiers when uh, when the yeah, fall boy. comes around. What do you think of that, by the way? I think it's turned out to be looks right now is a great hire. It looks like a great hire. Really? Oh yeah, they were when they got when they got Woodson in there, they were able to retain some guys that were in the in the transfer portal, and they they, they some big time players there. They get them they got them to stay. They've recruited extremely well. Thad Mata's come in as some you know, right-hand man, and, and yeah. seemed to have been effective. Uh, yeah, I mean, Thad listen, Mata's Archie Miller leg. didn't get it done. Fact that, what about the fact that Thad Mata, you know, all that back, uh, yeah. the back issues that he's had, one of his legs is like three inches shorter than the other. Did you know that? I, I did know that, and uh, that's probably painful. Yeah. <laughs> Does that impact his ability to coach and lead and counsel and advise? Well, as you talked about the chairs at Thanksgiving, that does affect that uh, he would be bringing us in the old days. He would have to sit on a stool yeah. uh, as he coached, especially in uh, Williams Arena where, you know, yeah, the floor is underneath. Yeah, the floor is elevated. So, yeah, he, he needs that stool. Yeah. If Nebraska gets thumped by Oklahoma, and let's just throw out, like a random. Let's take the story. if around. Let's get the if out of there. Yeah. When okay. they get yeah. their ass kicked tomorrow. So let's, right. 
let's let let's say the final score is, and this isn't that crazy, fifty-five to fourteen. That's about right. Is Scott Frost the head coach of Nebraska on Monday? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Trev Alberts, the new AD at at Nebraska, is definitely going to give. Due to the fact that the buyout's humongous too, uh, he's going to give some time uh, this year to evaluate the program and see what happens even, with Scott Frost. But even, he, Scott Frost will not be the coach next year. That that I feel comfortable saying right now. But he yeah, will but, finish but, the year. He will not is, fire midseason. Even if, and, and and there is some, there's a bit of romantic nostalgia and warranted with Nebraska Oklahoma. When I think back to you know. The seventies oh, and eighties, those Johnny games Rogers, were incredible game, incredible, incredible games. games. Mm. Um, so there is uh, so, some importance to this game from the perspective of of history. rivalry, history, tradition. If Nebraska, let, let's say worst case scenario, and this happened to Rick Neuheisel when he lost fifty five to nothing, that was it. He, he, he was out now. Now, the, a little bit of a different scenario, of course. However, let's say it's let's say this is a skunk. Let's say it's 52 to nothing. No, he's the coach on Monday. There's no scenario at all. But, and by the way, one thing that you're forgetting to leave out, which was remarkable in the offseason, is that uh, at I'm the time, forgetting but, to leave it out. Yeah, you forgot to leave this part out of the Nebraska Oklahoma story. Bill Moose, who was the former athletic director at Nebraska, tried in vain tough, to tough, buy out. And by the way, that's a that's just a tough name. Yeah, M O O S. It's a strange last name. Move. But he your tried name, like hell. He, he did everything he could to get moves. out of this game. It was it, it a hard S or a soft S? Amanda, if it, you see a guy named Bill M O O S, how do you pronounce that last name? Most. Wow, she went with most. Like she Donnie did, Most? No, no, no. Not the T at the end, just most. She doesn't know who Donnie Most even is. No. Yeah, that's so, a shame. M O O S. You pronounce that most? Yeah. How would you pronounce it? Moose. Moose. Bill Moose. I would if it was a Z, not an S. <laughs> when you when your name is Bill Moose, <laughs> do you are you, are you born with a chip on your shoulder, Stone? Well, I'll tell you what he's born with now. He's born with about a two point something million dollar buyout he just got to get shown the road in nebraska pretty good deal pretty yeah i'm I'm, I'm, bill moose is a very happy man today he has no pressure he he, He screwed up the whole nebraska program with two horrible hires he did you know fred hoiberg's done zero uh uh, did moose hire uh callahan no no he did not that was uh sean 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 eichhorst hired hired mike ridley um, no, which, not Mike Ridley. Mike Riley. Mike Riley. Pardon me. Mike Riley. Pardon me. And, Mike and Riley. I, I remember. I don't remember who the Twitterer was. Some some smart alecky, brilliant Twitterer when Mike Riley was hired, and it said, "Great hire by Nebraska to bring in Mike Riley." Only one question: Who's Mike Riley? <laughs> hey, who's Bo Schembechler? Who's Bo Schembechler? I mean, you know. Hey, we're gonna. Hey, we're gonna get to Bo Schembechler. And um, Don Canham and Dr. Robert Anderson on look, Sully and Stone. Believe look forward me. to that. Believe me. We're going to get to that yeah. topic. Um, okay. So give me a final score on Nebraska-Oklahoma. 47 
16. 47, 16. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with 51 to 7. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh State U. The Michigan State University goes down to the U. If State U takes down the U, which I think they will, what will it say about what Mel Tucker is doing with that program? It'd be a tremendous win for Michigan State. Mel Tucker clearly, through the transfer portal, through recruiting, through having a full offseason uh, with, with the program, I think it's too early to say they've turned the corner. This oh, is yeah. a this is a statement win, though. You go down to Miami, and let's not kid ourselves. Manny Diaz is a disaster. Correct. He's not long. He's not long. By the, for, by the way, for, by the way, to you. Here, here, here's here's uh, something on Manny Diaz. Herb Street, um, who I love uh, for a gazillion reasons, but last week after Miami got thumped by Alabama, which every, that happens to everybody, of course. He, he, he said this, oh, Manny will have him ready for App State. So apparently Manny Diaz is one of, those, one, uh, one of the coaches that we just have to refer to by, by just his first name for, 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 because he's just such a well-respected you know, coach. This is, the thing that, this is something that bothers me. Manny Diaz has done nothing literally nothing agreed not only has he done nothing single name reference forget single name his defensive coordinator ships at numerous schools have resulted in horrible defenses at texas he got he got steamrolled every week as a dc he's uh come on come on yeah manny diaz is not long for this job but this game i'm gonna buck my my friend today and i'm rooting for the uh for the spartans but i think miami's gonna get out of this one you do i think it's it's real close i think it's a field goal either way but I, I, I'm going to take the U in this game. Well, give me the score. I think the score is going to be somewhere in the, in the 20s, 24-21, uh, somewhere around there. Now, one caveat for me is seeing Walker run against Northwestern like crazy. I, I don't tune into Youngstown State, so I didn't see that game. But the Northwestern game where Walker took the initial carry for 80 yards, and he looked damn fast on a slow track there. Yep. It's going to be a faster track down there at uh, in, in Miami. So, uh I'm very anxious to see Walker tomorrow. I want to see if he is legitimately – and by the way, if he is, what the hell was Wake Forest doing with this guy if he's as good, good as he looks? Good, what good. was Dave Clarkson doing oh. besides worrying about the guy, the greatest during college football, that I hope that we get into a lot more, and I hope we can somehow get more people on to talk about it, which is my favorite story of the last bunch of years, was the radio announcer – play by the radio announcer at Wake Forest who was the color guy, the former player, who gave all the team's plays – to the opponents the weeks before the game um, to make – because Clarkson had demoted him from assistant. That's my favorite story ever. That's your, that's your favorite story? Yeah, because nobody's ever gotten an interview with this guy. And embarrassed to say I've forgotten the guy's name because I used to Google his name like almost every day religiously because I'm waiting for somebody to find this guy. He will not talk about what happened, why he gave the plays. You know, immediately got fired. He's apparently in seclusion in, in Winston-Salem somewhere. I've asked a bunch of college football writers if they can interview this guy on my behalf. They've all, of course, told me to get lost. But I, uh, I, can I, I don't even know what you're talking you, about. Well, what here, are I'm you a, talking you, about? Right? I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm looking Now, this has been going on for years. This whole podcast. What, what did Amanda again, say? Amanda Boyk, what did you say? That's kind of how I feel about all this because I don't know anything about college football. Yeah, but you know what you do know about? What? Being awesome. Oh, 
Figs. And, and, and just taking care of all the technical and productional elements that neither Stone nor I could, <laughs> could handle. You, you know what else, Stone? You know what else Amanda Boyk knows a whole hell of a lot about? I don't. Jiu-jitsu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am today. She's a jiu-jitsu competitor. Yeah. And like a hardcore one. Yeah. I, I needless to say, don't know anything about jujitsu. <laughs> well, not even gonna, remotely about that. Just don't gonna, make me upset. Yeah. We're going to get into that. Yeah. That's um, but not for episode two. You got us off track there. I did. Um, oh, me? Sorry. I did. No, no I took him off did. track. Okay. Uh, here's my final score. Uh, yes. I'm uh, waiting. Yes. State U against the U. State U 34, the U 21. Okay. That's a solid win on the road. That State would be tremendous. That's a statement win. Yeah, State U wins that game. And wins it going away. It'll be tight, but they win it going away. Um, right. Just last, so you don't think. Wait, hang on one sec. Just so you don't think I'm crazy. The gentleman's yeah. name was Tommy Elrod. E L R O D. Our listeners, please Google Tommy Elrod. Let me. If there's I any way I, anybody has any information on Tommy Elrod, and this does date back to 2016. So speaking of elephants, my five years, I haven't forgotten about this story. I figured Real Sports or some long form would have an interview with this guy and ask him. You know why? I do think you're crazy. I, I just I, let me tell you this: Tommy Elroyd is my great white shark. I mean, he's the guy I want to interview more than any guy on the planet. Is Tommy Elroyd? That's well, that, my guy. That's a good segue into our final topic. The guy I want to interview is the Portland State head coach. Are you aware of what this guy is doing? I am not. Portland State, of course, faces Western Oregon uh, tomorrow. The Portland State head coach has offered to buy all spectators beer oh, if they come to the game. That's going to be a full house. It should be. And he's oh. also said, I don't care if you watch the Oregon or Oregon State game throughout our game on your phone while <laughs> present. Just come to our game and I will buy you beer. And then he was asked, like, okay, when you say you, you're going to buy these people beer, how many of them? His answer was all of them. Yeah. This that guy, might be his paycheck for the whole year. Yeah. He belongs on this podcast. He which, sure by does. the way, is the finest podcast out there. We've taken another step towards saving the world. Stone, any final parting shots? Yeah, I just want to just uh, – this guy's been in my mind for a week from his terrible coaching job last week. But Dino Babers at Syracuse is another guy that can pack his bags as soon as possible. D at nightmare, this guy. And the Syracuse yeah, program – The Rutgers 17-7, I think, was the final oh, it was It was 0-0 with the half. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, you know, by the way, that, that brings Exciting up another game. interesting – like this whole like Rutgers is, is – like Greg Schiano is, is back to bringing Rutgers – into into relevancy as if they ever were relevant right i think everybody needs to just chill on rutgers yeah there's no i mean they have no players i mean they're very close to the vest they play smart they are well coached but they have no talent and they're you know they're gonna grind a few wins up but yeah rutgers is on nobody's radar which makes it even more sad that syracuse lost at home to him 17 to 7 yeah Dino babers goodbye amanda boyk before i give my final parting shot do you have a final parting shot uh you know what? I feel like we got our tagline because you guys said, well, you said thumped uh, like 47 times. Thumped. Yeah, I did. Didn't I've I? never, oh. I've never heard someone use it in that context, meaning like losing. And I like it a lot. Um, yeah. 
That's a good what? contribution. That's are a good are you referring to our podcast as, as our tagline thump or the name of the Pasolian Stone thump no. courtesy by it, endorsed it, by Continental Tire? <laughs> right. A, right. It's a really long name. Produced by superstar badass Amanda Boy, but it's fine. We'll throw that in there. <laughs> well, as long as Kyle Tire gets another piece of the action, That's I look call. forward to them calling us soon. <laughs> Here's my final party. What do you got, Crow? We... Please, Purdue, bring the drum through the old tunnel. <laughs> Ignore everything yes. Notre Dame is saying and just force, just just push the drum past all of those old idiot Notre Dame volunteers who, who, by the way, none of those people have ever had any actual affiliate. They're like most Notre Dame fans. They have no affiliation with the university. And the, the people outside of those people that volunteer at the stadium, the subway alumni, all those Notre Dameers out there couldn't pick out where Notre Dame is located on a map yet. You know, they're diehard Notre Dame fans, please Purdue. Just force the drum out there. Just do it. You think that's a good call, Stone? I love it. I love it. Go Boilers. I mean, we're, yeah, we're clear on that. Go Boilers. Boiler up. Let's get Boil it done. Hey, Stone, thanks. We'll do this again next week. Amanda Boyk? Yes. Just dominate with jujitsu this weekend. I will. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda. Kick their ass this weekend. <laughs> Crowley, great to be with you guys. I can't great wait to for be with everybody, three. especially all of our loyal listeners. Thank you, folks. And thanks again to Continental Tires. <laughs> Over and out. Over and out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.